This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. This is Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Wait, I'm just getting word. More points have been scored in the All-Star game. Okay, more <laughs> points. 211, 186. Yeah, 211 points scored by the East. Dame Lillard, MVP, 39 points, uh, 397 points overall. They didn't have a two in the scoreboard. They had to cover up the <laughs> scoreboard at the arena because they didn't have a two where the first number is and the three numbers, obviously, for a score. Yeah, just an absolute um, scoring fest last night at the All-Star Game. As we have discussed, we will continue that conversation coming up in a little bit. But also, tomorrow is a big day around the NFL. As Starting Tuesday through March 5th, NFL teams can designate franchise or transition players. So, Cece, let's let's start big picture. Explain to everyone what this means and why a team would decide we're going to franchise a guy or transition a guy because fans need to understand that information as to why guys would or would not be franchised. Well, teams use the franchise tag to be able to um, keep a player that is an impending free agent. So if a guy has finished his contract and they're going into the new league year, they'll put the tag as a placeholder and try to work out a long-term contract. Now, from the team standpoint, the total amount of the franchise tag is added to their salary cap for any given season. So if a guy's franchise tag is $20 million, then the team has to carry a $20 million cap charge for that player in that year. They can't prorate that into future years, which is the benefit for the team standpoint of working out a long-term deal. For the player, you want to get the the guaranteed money. You want to get the long-term financial security but the franchise tag is a one-year um, a one-year payment for the top five players at a position, the average of the top five um, players at your position group. So, I mean, that's, that's the ebb and flow. That's the give and take. The players want financial security beyond the upcoming season, and the team, they want to make sure that they don't lose the players. So if everybody goes through this dance, you know, a couple of weeks before the start of the new league year in the middle of March – and the franchise tag window is when these contract negotiations with these impending free agents starts to get ramped up. All right, so Adam Schefter has put out there a list of players that potentially could be franchised over the next uh, week or so in the NFL. And those names include, but are not limited to, um, Josh Allen, the linebacker uh, for the Jaguars, Saquon Barkley for the Giants, Brian Burns of the Panthers, Kyle Duggar of the Patriots, T. Higgins of the Bengals, Josh Jacobs, um, with the uh, Raiders, Jalen Johnson with the Bears, Justin, say his last name for me, CC. I'm terrible at this, with the, the Ravens, defensive Matt lineman. Matt BK, thank you. Baker Mayfield um, with the Bucks, Michael Pittman with the Colts, Christian Wilkins with the Dolphins, and Antoine Winfield um, as well. So that, those are the names that we have there. Are there any ones that jump out at you and say, okay, this guy is definitely going to get franchised because of X, Y, and Z, because they're going to extend someone else, et cetera? Brian Burns is going to be interesting. The kind of contract that he'd be in line for, you're talking about $30 million a year and going, going like and starting there. I, I don't know that the Carolina Panthers are at a place in their program development where they're going to get the return on that investment. He's a very, very good player. I mean, this guy has got all pro potential, yet I don't know that Carolina is ready to do a whole lot of winning, so why would you be paying a pass rusher $30 million a year? So I just, I, I think that's the one that feels in line for a franchise tag and. If that does take place, you're going to hear a lot of conversations around 
Brian Burns potentially being traded elsewhere because the two sides can't work out a long-term deal. So the other part of this is it's as interesting who isn't going to be franchised, right? Adam Schefter also put out there uh, Mike Evans, projected franchise tag. That's of the Tampa Bay Bucks, obviously. 28.4, um, not expected to be franchised. This may be the biggest one, is that Kirk Cousins, per his contract, mm-hmm. cannot be franchised, which means he is something that we don't see in this league like ever a top 10 caliber free agent at the quarterback position as an unrestricted free agent. And due to his 2023 cap number, Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones projected franchise tag would be 32 million instead Mm. of the regular 19.7 million, making him an unlikely tag candidate. Smalls, let's go back to Cousins. This is the, I I think of all these, this is the juiciest one because we don't see guys at his position that good, purely unrestricted with no cat. Like, Vikings can't match. They can try to match, but they don't legally have the right to match if Kirk Cousins doesn't want to give them the opportunity to match. Doesn't it always feel like everything falls in alignment with Kirk Cousins, too, where you know that he is going to get the best contract situation, he's going to secure the bag, and he's going to be able to navigate things the way that he wants to? It always works out for Kirk Cousins in that way. And and what do we think? Yeah, $35 million a year? What do you think he's going to get? CC $40 million a year for Kirk Cousins if he's healthy? I think it'll be around $40 to $45 million a year. Amazing. Especially I think that's what the middle class of quarterback is getting. I mean, Daniel Jones is getting $40 million a year. Kirk Cousins is around forty five. That feels about right. I think the years is the interesting part of this, right, with Kirk, because he's 35 years old and he's coming off of an Achilles injury. There's no guarantee that he's going to be ready for the start of week one. So I think there's this is a situation now if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you have to consider what your contingencies are whether Kirk Cousins decides to walk in free agency or even if he does resign, it's probably going to be a shorter-term deal, and they're still going to need an alternative in terms of who their long-term solution is at the quarterback spot. So I think in Minnesota is in a very peculiar situation when it comes to the Cousins of it all, but that's any team that plans on making a run at Kirk Cousins. I don't think he's going to get franchise tag. I don't think that that's the world that we're going to be living in with him because of what you just said with the contract. But I do think it's interesting to see what ends up happening with Kirk Cousins in terms of what Minnesota does, what the interest around the league is for him, and what the succession plan is for whatever team that signs him. The other position that I think is really interesting here, because this was a big deal last offseason. Remember last offseason, it was Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, Tony Pollard with the Cowboys, and Saquon Barkley with the Giants. We were all kind of wondering what happens, franchise, long-term deal, etc. Jonathan Taylor had the request out, the kind of – hold in, hold out situation where they then got a contract extension. I know the Giants are very much associated and attached to Saquon Barkley, seemingly the person, almost as much as the player, because he just feels Giants. He's the face of the franchise. Yeah, he (laughs) just feels like the Giant, like the character of the Giants. How can any of these teams be considering going big with paying these guys a lot of money at the running back position? Makes no sense to me. I don't even understand how you can consider franchise tagging running backs anymore. It makes no sense. Why would you want to? I don't think they will. I don't, I don't think they will. I mean, the franchise tag is, what, $12.5 million for running backs? And Saquon Barkley, it's, what, a, a, a 20% increase off of what he made this year? So I, don't, I just don't know that that's going to be the case, that they'll franchise tag him. I think he'll go into free agency unencumbered. And, you know, it's it's a tough blow for the Giants because this is one of your leaders in your locker room mm-hmm. and not to mention a leader in the community and from a sports character standpoint represents everything that Brian Dayball wants. But you just can't justify the cost. And 
there's an argument to be made that his most productive years are behind him, not in front of him. So I think that that's always a part of the math when making these decisions. It's not just about what the player is right now, but it's what the player will be over the life of the contract. And if you give, you know, a multi-year deal to Saquon Barkley, there's no guarantee that from a health and productivity standpoint, he's going to give you what we've seen over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, they're in a tough gray area because Saquon has been an amazing giant, an amazing face of the franchise. He wants to be there, which I think is something that really does matter. And how many other players are you buying a ticket to see if you're a Giants fan? But I don't know that I'm buying a ticket to see him. Maybe you're just buying a ticket to see the laundry. But unfortunately for him, I think that we've seen with the running back position that it's bearing out this way that they're going to go a cheaper route. We, I, we just aren't seeing running backs get paid this way. Anymore. I think you bring up an interesting point, Smalls. Like, how? What's the reason you go to uh, Vivid Seats? Obviously, is where you go to get tickets. But specifically, when you go to Vivid Seats and you're getting the tickets, it's for the laundry, meaning the team or the quarterback. I would think most of the time, it's not necessarily for the running back unless it's Christian McCaffrey. But CC guys around the league. I don't know if insulted is the right word, but they don't like getting franchised, which is such an interesting thing because when you get franchised, it means that you are an average of the top five paid position, paid people at your position in this sport, right? So you as a defensive lineman, if the Ravens, Giants, or Cowboys back in the day were to franchise you, you would be guaranteed a top five contract for one year in your sport, which would be at this point seemingly set for life money. But it doesn't provide long-term flexibility. So guys, like, kind of hate being franchised, right? Yeah, guys hate being franchised because you don't get the long-term deal, right? You, you get the real big guarantees when it's a multi-year deal and teams can prorate the guaranteed portion over the life of the contract, right? So that, that's it. When the team has more years to work with, they can move money into future years where the salary cap continues to balloon. So essentially what they would be doing, if you gave a player you know, a $60 million guarantee, then you could move a lot of that guarantee into years two, three, four, and five, and that way the cap hit in the short term is minimal. So I think that, that is the ultimate goal. But you know, from a player standpoint, like you don't want the franchise tag because you incur all the risks to injury. So if you're playing under the tag and you get hurt, then the future money that you could make all of a sudden begins to be called into question. It je- it gets jeopardized. And for the average of the top five at a position, and I think it's over the, over the last three years, so it's an average of your top five at the position over the last three years, it's not as, the money is not as big in terms of what you're going to be making in that given year as the guys that are at the top of the position group rankings that have those big deals already. So I guess that's, that's the part that gets a little murky, but players absolutely hate the franchise tag. You want to go into free agency unencumbered so you can maximize your value. When teams are bidding against each other, that's when you can drive up the price. But when you have the franchise tag, it limits your leverage when it comes to overall negotiations, and that's why players absolutely hate it. On Sportsmanlike is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits. And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Mike Tannenbaum, front office insider, former GM, created a huge stir in and around NFL conversations on Friday. We will ask him about what he did and why he did it next. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio.
Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. So we get off the air on Friday, and we learn on Get Up... Our very next guest, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN front office insider, former GM of the Dolphins and the Jets, has created a huge stir (laughs) in Cleveland and New York. Mike, tell everybody what exactly happened on Friday, why you suggested what you did, and what happened as a result. Yeah, logic carried the day. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, look, you know, Deshaun Watson, for whatever reason, right, wrong, or indifferent, has not worked out in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So, if you could get out from roughly $138 million if you're the Cleveland Browns. You played four different quarterbacks last year. You have a really good young quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. You have a vet in Joe Flacco. If you could get all that cap flexibility and acquire Daniel Jones, who's 27, only he's going to make $36 million one year left, that's a really good move if you're the Cleveland Browns. The inverse of that is if you're the New York Giants, you want to get a high-ceiling quarterback Deshaun Watson at one point was a great quarterback. He's only 29, and it's a three-year marriage. So it's a win-win. And, you know, shockingly, on social media, everybody agreed with me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, shockingly. Yeah, of course. That always happens. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Giants, do you look at Deshaun Watson as your quarterback away when a team that's a quarterback away in Cleveland doesn't want him? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But, Mike T., we're, we're close to the franchise tag window being open for guys that are impending free agents. I mean, Chris Jones is one of the biggest names among them, as well as his teammate LeJarrius Sneed from the Super Bowl uh, Kansas City Chiefs. If you're Brett Veach, their general manager, how do you handle that situation with trying to retain both of those players? Yeah, they're both staying, and I'm telling them that, like, hey, he, here are solid B deals. And, look, Chris Jones is a little bit more expensive at – Roughly $32 million on the tag. But, look, we're going for a three-peat. And, you know, just to take you behind the scenes as a GM, like the biggest pressure you feel is from inside. It's from the other players. So when Patrick Mahomes knocks on your door and says, hey, Veach, like they're done, right? They're going to be here. Like, yes, Mr. Mahomes, they're going to be here. And, you know, sure, you report to Clark Hunt and Andy Reid, but you got to look Patrick Mahomes and all these other great players in the eye. So you're going to figure out a way. And what you're communicating specifically to Chris Jones and LeJerry Sneed's agent is like, these are solid B deals. They're not top of the market. You're not going past Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, but we're going to keep the gang together and we're going for a three-peat. What do you think Saquon Barkley's future is with the New York Giants? I, I think he's gone. I'd be shocked if they would franchise him. I think they have so many other problems institutionally. The last thing they want to do is you know, have a player who is – as productive as he is, as high character as he is, who always says the right things to you know antagonize him. They have so many other issues that I think they would be it would be well served to shake hands, 
thank each other and part ways. Mike, I want to go back to what you said about the solid B deals. We're talking with Mike Tannenbaum here on, on Sportsman like on ESPN Radio. Are you leading with that? Are you saying like are you yeah. saying those words? Like yeah. we know that this is not as much, yeah. but we're actually discounting it because you get to play with Mahomes? Yeah, we're saying, look, we want to keep the gang together. So if everyone can leave five percent on the table, maybe that leaves Nick Bolton a Kansas City Chief. Like who knows? Who else we could keep? But we have a real chance here. So for the greater good, we all have to give a little. But if you're Chris Jones's agent, hypothetically, why aren't you saying, hey, my, my client is unbelievable. We want an A deal. I don't care about everybody else. We want an A deal. Yeah, no one's said that to me in over 20 years. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would just say, look, and I always said, like, when you have the pros of these jobs, guys, like, I always just define the job as being the point guard of information, which is like, okay, let me go back to our head coach. Let me go back to the owner. And just say to Andy Reid, like, okay, where are we going to go short? Like, if we're going to have to pay Chris Jones, whatever the number is, $34, $35 million a year, like, we're cutting Justin Reid. Like, we're going to cut Justin Reid, right? We're going to cut, you know, fill in the blank, Joe Tooney, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, are we okay with our starting guard being a fourth-round pick? Are we okay with a safety on opening day against Buffalo having an Emmy giving up a touchdown? If we are, let's make Chris Jones' agent happy. But can you get Mahomes' money back? Can you say to Mahomes, "Hey, we need we need to restructure with you immediately"? Absolutely, you're having that conversation as well. And you know, my conversation to him is like one of the many things that Tom Brady did that was always frustrating competing against him is he left money on the table, and that was a competitive, systemic advantage that the Patriots had for years. So, Patrick, if you really want to chase Tom Brady, one of the ways that you have to do so. And by the way, like anytime we had those conversations with players, guys, I would always say like, "Here's exactly where that money's going. Like, we're going to do that to." Yeah, Chris Jones to do, you know, LeJerry Sneed. And by the way, like in another year, like Trent McDuffie can never leave. You know, like there's plenty of places we're going to want to spend the money. Mike T, we're 10 days away from the scouting combine getting kicked off in Indy this time last year. A lot of the buzz was around the new cognitive test that a lot of people in the NFL were adopting, which is that S2 test. We got word this weekend that Athletes First and Sports Super Agent David Mulligetta, who represents C.J. Stroud, decided that he was going to tell his players not to take the S2 cognitive test or not to take any cognitive testing. Drew Rosenhaus told his players a similar thing. What is your stance as a former general manager on players opting out on that part of the process, and how do you anticipate those decisions impacting what we're going to see this spring in the evaluation period? Yeah, Chris, it's a great discussion. We actually used a different test called the AIQ, one, one that you know we felt like was really insightful and helpful. But it, I always say this. The whole process, everything is just another piece of information. So typically, someone that doesn't have a lot of MEs in college, that has their degree or on track to their degree, is going to do pretty well. Now, if they have a bump in the road with like one of those cognitive tests, all that did from a process standpoint, guys, was it made us ask more questions. Mm-hmm. And I always tell players this time of year that when you leave the combine and you don't hear from a team, it's like the inverse of logic. That means it's good news. They have no other questions. So if they are bringing you in the facility for a post-draft visit, they have a question they want to be answered. Maybe it, how you learn, an injury, a significant off-field issue. Like, they want to clean something up. So it's a very small piece of the process. It'd be like, you know, the four of us talking about, you know, college and the standardized tests. Like, you know, Evan Cohen, who had straight A's, you know, even though he didn't break a 1,000 on his SATs. Yeah, yeah, no, like, it, it's just part of the process. So, like, it may just ask you to ask more questions. And there is more than one test, and I understand the controversy around it. And you know, there were a lot of stories about how frustrated Stroud got, and and obviously him and Houston got the last laugh. 
Yeah. How? Mike T, Mike T oh, when it comes to the evaluation of the quarterback position specifically, though, given what this quarterback class is, how more, how much more difficult does it make it when you're trying to assess what a guy can be in the NFL, knowing that the offense is going to be different, knowing that, you know, the learning curve is going to be a little bit different if you don't have that piece of information from the cognitive testing. So let me tell you a story. So one of the ways that people assess quarterbacks is they will send out a playbook two days before they go in for a private visit. They did it once with Peyton Manning. And on the very last page of that playbook that they gave to Peyton Manning, inside the last page was a $20 bill stapled to it. And they're at the draft day thing is real. It is real. Wow. Keep going. And and, and at dinner, Peyton Manning said to a team, thank you for the $20 bill. I will tell you over the years, not going to name names unless you take me out for dinner, that (laughs) there were some players we did that with. They never got to the last page. And that's literally for a job interview. Like I have been in meetings on pre-draft visits with top 10 picks shocked at the lack of preparation some of these quarterbacks had. And you leave there, and you're sitting there with your head coach, and you're saying, like, we're going to draft this guy in the top 10 and, and bet our futures on this player, and he can't be prepared for a job interview, and, and we're going to draft him and expect give him millions and millions of dollars, and he's going to work harder? Wow. That's an amazing story, and I have a follow-up on it. How much does that – outweigh other things like if he had an unbelievable yeah. college career the, yeah. the measurables yeah. are no, outrageous Michelle, from the combine great, yeah it's a great conversation I, there's no magical answer i'll tell you something else that's happened is um we have been in the combine and we will show quarterbacks coming in for their 20-minute interview and show interceptions and the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach will be like what happened this play and literally be like oh that was a terrible play call or the receiver ran oh, the wrong route oh, we, we have taken middle of the round quarterbacks off the board as soon as they walked out. Like, who wants that on our team? You know, like, if, if they're blaming the quarterback coach in college, what are they going to be like? So it it's shocking what some of these players do. So, of course, like, the media scrutiny around these tests, deservedly so. There's a lot of, you know, misinformation out there. But players reveal who they are. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm, a, I'm just a big believer. Who you are in life is how you treat people that can't help you. And if you're calling out your coach – in the middle of this process, like, what are you going to be like when you're in our building? Mm. So are you saying you would pass on Caleb Williams if he didn't hand you the $20? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, this day, <laughs> you, know, you know, Evan, with inflation, probably has to be like $1,000. It has to be yeah. like some like NIL deal, you know? Wow. Mike Tannenbaum just provided us tons of information uh, here. Are you going to make up any trades today on Get Yeah, up? we do. You should pay attention. And I have a new landing spot for Russell Wilson. I'll give you a hint. Greeny should be paying attention. Oh. Wait, what? Yeah. You're not. Oh, so we're not going to get this now. You're going to prioritize get up over us. No, no. I will say like, it, where, where do you think uh, Russell Wilson's going to wind up? It's a hard. It's a, a greedy. Should be paying attention. Would mean AFC East. Would mean the Jets. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, it's really an interesting discussion. Where do you guys think Russell Wilson's going to wind up? It's really hard to. I pick. would. I think he should go back to Seattle. Do you oh, think they want him? I don't know. No, I don't. But I think that's <laughs> yeah, where he I was should gonna go. Say, I think that 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 that's too sticky of a then situation. New England though. is what he's saying. I think. Chris, where do you think? Ooh, Atlanta. Yeah, we thought Atlanta, but, you know, I think Justin Fields just feels like that's where he's going to wind up at the end of the day. What a tease. Mr. T will be on Get Up at 8 a.m. Eastern. He refuses to tell us because we didn't give him the $20 back. (laughs) We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 100 times times your money. money. 
With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com/morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com/morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Yes, upon further review, I guess this is post-All-Star break edition of Upon Further Review. Is that what we're doing, Evan? I think the All-Star break um, is a break. I think we learned that (laughs) last night. It is fully a break from start to finish for these players. (laughs) The whole thing's a break. All right, this is Unsportsmanlike with Evan, Michelle, and Canty, and this is Upon Further Review. Without further ado, let's get this thing kicked off. Number three. We got Jimmy Garoppolo being suspended for PED. So Jimmy Garoppolo took a substance and he didn't have a therapeutic exemption, which is now going to cost him the first two games of the 2024 regular season. Now he's assumed to be an impending free agent from the Las Vegas Raiders. And it's a situation now where he's looking to latch on to a team. But my only question is, Jimmy Garoppolo on PEDs, and the version of Jimmy Garoppolo that we saw in 2023 was a guy that played in 13 games and had a career low when it came to passer rating and passer rating and QBR. I know that he's probably going to be more in line for a backup quarterback job than a starting quarterback job, but here's the reality of the NFL. There are never enough quality quarterbacks to go around. So I would not in the least bit be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback by virtue of the circumstances. My only question is, is there a team out there that's willing to saddle up with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback going into the regular season? Eight ball says doubtful, especially with the news about the PEDs. I I think Jimmy Garoppolo's days as a full-time starter in the NFL have come to a close. Are we suggesting that he doesn't always look this good, that it was performance-enhancing drugs that got him there? I just want to be clear on this. Wow. (laughs) Nobody else thought that? How can you not think he's the most handsome guy in the league? We have to ask the question, was it the drugs or was it natural? 
Gotta ask. <laughs> you think they I impact think his more, face? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. More, I think it was more Kyle Shanahan than anything else. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan made it look good in more ways than one. Just saying, win a lot of games, you look a lot better. Next. Number two. No wonder why I'm the dunk, the dunk contest. <laughs> oh, boy. The dunk contest judges. Are we serious? Are we serious? The best dunk of the night was Jacob Toppin between the legs, 360, ends up being able to finish it with two hands at the rim. It was an absolutely unbelievable dunk. No disrespect to Mac McClung, who is the back-to-back dunk contest winner. I thought his dunks were phenomenal. The one where he double catches the ball and yep. reverses it, crazy. But here's my thing. Jacob Toppin, that dunk that he did between the legs, 360, finished with two hands, that can't get him into the finals? I just don't understand what the, the judges from the dunk contest are doing. It's like these guys have never been a part of the dunk contest. They don't know what the festivities are all about. The fact that Jacob Toppin didn't make it to the finals in the dunk contest is an absolute joke. Show me the creativity that we saw from any one of Jalen Brown's dunks. I'll wait. I mean, he tried to do the D-Brown, but waited to blindfold himself until after he dunked the basketball. Ridiculous. I I, I don't understand what we're doing. That dunk can get him into the finals, but Jacob Toppin's dunk couldn't? I don't understand what we're doing with the judges from the dunk contest. They were absolutely atrocious. And to me, it it put a damper on what was otherwise an awesome Saturday night for All-Star Weekend. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, a revelation for me on the show today that I don't think I've ever said. Growing up, Michael Jordan was my favorite basketball player. My second favorite player was D. Brown. I was like 11 years old when D. Brown won the dunk contest for the Boston Celtics, did the Reebok pumps, blindfolded himself with his own arm like he was dabbing. I, I fell in love with that guy, right? I love that guy. Jalen Brown was nothing like D. Brown. As CC said, you can't claim to have a blindfolded dunk after you land. It's literally, he was dabbing. It was ridiculous. The judges were awful. Mac McClung, the double catch, I thought was amazing. And here's the yep. other thing. Mac McClung is dominated, and I saw you put this out on Twitter, CC, about that, that like it's his, and you're right about that, at Chris Canty 99. At the same time, the dunk contest has gotten so bad that the, the winner of the last two years doesn't even play in the NBA. <laughs> they had to go get G League guys. That, that means you don't have enough in this league to do it. It was brutal. And the judges I were I just horrible. don't understand. And they brought this up on the broadcast, Sam. Why isn't a guy like Anthony Edwards in the dunk contest? Because he doesn't want to be. I mean, I know well, that's I, a dumb I just, response, I don't, I don't but understand that's why a guy like Anthony Edwards isn't in the dunk contest. Yeah, they need more Whatever the power. NBA has to do to incentivize him, I mean, I guess there's the million dollars that's out there, but if there are more NBA endorsements that they could throw his way, like endorsing products, endorsing brands, as an incentive, as a carrot to get guys to participate in this event, like that, that's what needs to happen. Because let's face it, if Anthony Edwards is in this dunk contest, it adds a lot more spice to it. It adds a lot more flair to it. Like, I mean, Matt McClung might still win because Matt McClung, this is his Super Bowl. Like, making a million dollars is a big thing for him when he's playing for the Osceola Magic. But, I mean, I, just, I, I guess my whole point is, we want to see the best and the brightest. I want to see the dunk contest that had Dominique, that had Michael Jordan, that had Spud Webb. Like, those are the ones I want to see that had D. Brown. Those are the dunk contests that were fun. Like, I want to get it back to that. I don't know if it ever will because the money is so big now and, and players are, are, I guess, disincentivized because of the stakes. But, man, 
it would be great if you could have players like Anthony Edwards in the dunk contest. I, I also have to out myself, and Smalls, you may have to help with this because you're way cooler. Who is Kai something or other? Sanat. Yeah, He's him I don't know. Who is he? He's a big-time, big-time streamer. Okay, he was a part of it. And then, again, I'm sorry. Who was the guy dressed in the Dominique jersey? That wasn't Dominique that Jalen Brown brought out. Anybody know that? I don't know. I, I got to be honest. I, I felt so old on Saturday. I don't know who any of these people were. <laughs> I mean, it's like Blake Griffin once jumped over a car. Now we're jumping over Kai's. Who was he? All right, well, I mean, let's, let's relax on the Blake Griffin dunk. Okay, but it's better than. I don't know. Was I, it? The Blake Griffin dunk was terrible. You get the point, Pat. I mean, that's next year. Next year. Golden State's hosting. Steph, Sabrina, Clay, Caitlin. That'll be fun. Steph and Sabrina was the highlight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a highlight. That was the highlight. Next. Number one. Of course, we talked about this with Mike Tannenbaum a little bit, but Athletes First Sports Agency advises its draft prospects not to take any cognitive testing during the pre-draft process. That means at the scouting combine, there's not going to be any Wonderlick. There's not any going to be any S2 cognitive test. They're not going to take any cognitive testing. Drew Rosenhaus advised his players to do the same thing. Now, this is on the heels of what happened last year in the pre-draft process where quarterback C.J. Stroud's S2 cognitive test score got out there, and that scared away some other teams. Uh, and it is believed that this is something that can devalue a prospect's chances of being drafted as high as they possibly could. So those guys deciding to pass on it, I am for it. I actually think that teams look at information as they can get overwhelmed by the information that comes out during the draft process, and they take their eyes off the ball when it comes to what the player is and what he projects to be based on the tape. I always felt like the evaluation of the player should always go back to the tape in the interview and less on the periphery when it comes to cognitive testing or being able to bench press a lot of weight or being able to run really fast. If the guy can play football on tape and the guy has good football character and good off-field character, then that's a player that you can trust in the National Football League, and that's a player that, that has a good chance at being able to realize their potential. I, I just The things that happen in the pre-draft process feel like a way – to devalue a player, and I'm not for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying good on those sports agencies for telling their players not to participate in those aspects of the pre-draft process. Yeah, I'm with you, CC. If I was someone's representation, and after what happened with C.J. Stroud, I would be advising them not to, the, to do this as well, especially if you're going to take this test and it's going to be put out there to weaponize against you for public consumption. If there's no confidentiality behind any of this, why would I want to put my client in that situation? I'll tell you, I don't know where I would have been on this prior to having kids. And I'm being serious. Like, once you have kids, and my kids are 10 and 7, you really fully understand that every single person has differences in learning and how they like consume information and things like that. And that some people consume things and learn different ways than others. So like CJ Stroud may learn differently than Bryce Young. Who cares if that's what you get on the field? And, well, I, and, and, I care about mitigating risk because guess what? I got to feed my kids. If you're a coach, if you're a GM, right. like that's how you're looking at it. Like if, if I've got two players and the grades are about equal – but one tested well cognitively on the, on the test, the aptitude test that my team uses, and the other one tests poorly. 
well, what are you going to do? You're going to lead the one to one that tested well just because you're trying to mitigate risk. But in the process of mitigating risk, you end up devaluing a player and it becomes unfair when that information gets leaked. Because again, in this era of CYA, these GMs, these coaches, they want to they want to lead people down the road of the rationale that they used in order to select a certain player, thinking that that would provide cover in case the decision doesn't work out. And that's the biggest issue with happened with C.J. Stroud, the fact that the organizations let it get leaked as a part of them trying to protect themselves. I'm not for that, like trying to protect yourself by throwing somebody under the bus. I'm just not about that, especially when it comes to young men's looking to start their professional careers. I totally understand, mm-hmm. totally agree. I guess my only point is that people learn differently, and if that test is not perfect for everyone, you may not get the perfect response from everyone, as we saw from C.J. Stroud, who everyone would take on their team, obviously, moving forward. Yeah, but here's the thing. Learning differently is fine, and it's all well and good. Do you want to take a risk as an organization with a player that learns differently at the quarterback spot? Well, uh, the Texans did. I guess. The Texans did, and they did the right thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm giving the other side of it. Like, this is what teams do throughout the process. I think it's stupid because the tape tells you everything you need to know, and this is not revisionist history by me. I thought C.J. Stroud was the best quarterback coming out last year. I was proven right. Go back to the tape. Go back to what people around the player say, and that's all that matters. Agree. That's all that should matter. Agree. Upon further review, and our sports centers are brought to you by eBay Motors. From superchargers, exhaust kits, and more, eBay Motors has over 122 million parts to keep your ride or die alive with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm over it. Next. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, he's back. Pat Costello, our producer, CC reported last week that he quit. Uh, he was a quitter. <laughs> He's a quitter. He tapped out in the middle of the show and didn't show up the next day. That's right. Before yeah, but I'm here now. Uh, I mean, unless somebody's going to the hospital, unless somebody's passed, I mean, there really is no excuse for that. Well, Just hopefully neither of those two things happened as uh, Pat Costello, our producer, each and every day, well, except for the days that for CC quits, uh, gives <laughs> us things he's over in life, sports, entertainment. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. I think I slept for like 13 hours on Friday or something stupid. Oh, wow. It was great. Yeah. Uh, I felt awful. Thanks, what? Kathy. 
It was great. I felt awful. Yeah. I mean, you left you left in the middle of the game. I mean, you're like Antonio Brown in that way. I mean, we just can't depend on you. I'm just saying. I don't know what to do with that comparison, so I'm just going to keep it moving. <laughs> keep it pushing. Uh, All-Star Saturday is great still because it's the only thing that's competitive, but it does need to change just based on the format of it. The dunk contest should not be last. The dunk contest is not good enough to be last anymore. I think they have to start with it, and then you can throw the skills competition in there, but the main event should be the three-point contest. It's the only thing that's competitive. Uh, the new WNBA-NBA thing, the, the shootout thing was awesome, mm-hmm. so maybe that could be the main event. Either way, the dunk contest cannot be the last thing that you watch on All-Star Saturday. I think that's a good point, especially since like everybody in the league now shoots threes. Yeah. So like, actually more people shoot threes than dunk probably in the NBA right now, as crazy as that sounds. I think that the Steph versus Sabrina was awesome. I don't know that it's always going to be awesome. I think those two are awesome, and then we have to see how that evolves. It's too early to tell on that. I would get Caitlin Clark in it immediately next yeah. year if she's a w- in the WNBA. If I'm Adam Silver, the commissioner, I am reaching out to whoever represents Caitlin Clark right now and booking her time for next year because you can't miss out on Caitlin Clark next year. I think it's a good point. All-Star game, All-Star Saturday night, let's have the guts to put the dunk contest first and acknowledge it's not as good as it once was. Wow. I mean, yeah, you're not you're not wrong, but I guess the part of the beauty of the dunk contest once upon a time was that you're seeing guys do something that no one else could do. Right. Like other people couldn't fathom it. Like shooting threes, that's something that everybody does when they go to their local gym and everybody thinks they could do the three point contest. We all know that they can't. But when you see guys going off like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon did once upon a time when they put on a show, I think that was twenty sixteen. You're like, wow, this is pretty amazing to see these types of athletes with that level of creativity dunking a basketball. I I wish we could get back there, but the dunk contest is a shell of itself. I I guess we have to acknowledge where it's at versus what we want when it's at its best. I I just, it's, it's, you know. That's why you should start with it, though, Candy. No, I know, but it's still still sad. But it's still sad, though, I guess, Pat, because of when it's at its best. It is the best thing on All-Star Saturday night. Like, the Aaron Gordon-Zach Levine dunk contest, give me 10 of them. Like, that's what everybody would want, and yet we can't have it. We haven't had it. So I guess what you're saying is relegating it to the beginning of the festivities makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't feel fresh anymore. Like, Sabrina Steph felt fresh. It had that drama, that excitement, that anticipation. The dunk contest just doesn't really have that feeling anymore. So I think this is great by Pat to put it first. I like that idea. I also think you can just wait. Like, let's see who's in it next year. If Anthony Edwards is in it, then we'll put it last. If it's Jacob Toppin versus Mac McClung, we can put it first. Uh, (laughs) Next, Pat. Uh, The LED core was cool looking. Please, I'm begging the NBA to not use it for actual games. Like, I can see it coming for the in-season tournament already. Don't do it. It's a future mistake that I'm saving you from now. The LED decor. Okay, so... The court. Yeah, the the court. court. Okay. I don't think they're going to use it for regular games because it's too distracting, don't you think? Yeah. It was cool for this event. It felt special. It felt big. But I can't see them using that for regular games. No. Oh, I I could absolutely see them doing it. Which is why Pat is advising them not to. Like, (laughs) did you you remember what the courts looked like in the in-season tournament? Yeah. They were awful. They were. I, I don't think, think anybody was, smart. was. I actually you know, think it was well, smart. You, you could say it's smart as a point of distinction, Correct, to yeah. separate the games. But I mean, what, what, what? I mean, the better way to do it is by having the LED court. Now, if you get somebody to sponsor it, then it's probably a lot, lot easier for the NBA to do it because they don't have to pull the money out of pocket. But to me, like the LED court 
is definitely something that they're going to look to explore, especially if there's super rich owners like Steve Ballmer that's building a new new arena could afford to do so. Like I just, I, I I don't think it's the direction that they need to be going in, just because it gets busy when it comes to the actual on court product. I get it for All Star Weekend; it makes sense, but let's just keep it confined to that. Sometimes you can have too much of a good thing. Next one, Pat. Carrot cake is absolutely disgusting. Oh. I do not understand how people think that this is a good cake. I don't want vegetables in my desserts. They're, it's gross. You can't taste the carrots. Yeah, you can. I mean, maybe you, you taste it from a texture perspective because they're grated in, but it doesn't taste like a carrot. It tastes like sugar. It tastes like cake. Carrot cake is awesome. I love carrot cake. I love it's one of my favorite cake. desserts. What's I don't know what to you? tell, Pat. I, I don't think carrot cake is not like a top three to five cake. Not even close. Yes, it is. I didn't say no, it was a top tier. three to five. I didn't say it was top three to five, but it's still a, a good a good dessert. What would you put top five then if carrot cake is not in the mix? Well, any chocolate Ooh. cake, any vanilla cake, a strawberry cake, like the red velvet cake. So that's already four, right? Red velvet right. is overrated. Strawberry cake? Yeah, uh, I've never had like a strawberry, strawberry cake. shortcake kind of thing? No? Strawberry shortcake is not a cake. It's a totally different okay, scenario. Sorry. It's like I a, mean, a apple cobbler, sweet that's potato a, but pie. I, I wouldn't put pie pies. or cobbler in the cake discussion. I love a good cake. What about like an Oreo? You said, I thought cake. we were saying desserts. Are we just saying cakes? We're just going to keep it to the <laughs> cake realm? Ice cream cake? That's ice, ice cream. It's not a ice, cake. But it's called an ice cream cake. The one you get there, from there Carvel. Be, there it's could amazing. Be some cake in an ice cream cake. Yeah. 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 Ice cream. You would take ice cream cake over carrot cake every day. The Carvel one with the little uh, things in the middle. I don't, know, I don't know if I would do that. Oh, my God. Then you haven't had the right one. You've had the Carvel ones, haven't you, CC? I had the Carvel ones, yeah. I've never yeah. been to I Carvel. mean, I, I, I'm, oh, I'm not ashamed to say smalls. I've ordered an entire yeah. Carvel ice cream cake for myself. There you I've go. Done it. That's the CC you know and yeah, love the one, right there. The one with the whale, yeah, I've done it. And, it <laughs> wasn't, <laughs> and here's the thing. It wasn't anybody's birthday. I just wanted to treat myself. And I kept it all for me. So you and had I don't the need whole round of applause. I've got it. One spoon. Oh, I'm judging positively. I'm, I'm giving you a round of applause. I have Those some... little chocolate crunchy Wait, things in the middle. Wait, I have some follow-ups. Oh, they're phenomenal. How Those long... little crunchy so things are the best. How long so did it good. take you to mow through the cake? Uh, it took me three days. Three days. Three days. Taking me about three hours. Pretty good. Three that, days. That you made it yeah. last three days. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's I mean, so good. Carrot cake, vanilla cake, German chocolate cake. I mean, carrot cake's probably a top five cake in my book. I love an olive oil cake. I'm sorry, what? An olive, olive oil cake? What? Oh, you know what? Pound cake. Pound really cake's good great. Lemon, lemon pound yeah. cake. Miss yeah. Geraldine from the church makes a phenomenal. Yeah. What's olive oil? My grandmother, my grandmother, my grandma Ida. May she rest in peace. Great pound cake. Shout out, Grandma Ida. Yeah, you I guys agree. have never had olive oil cake. Yeah. Seven Up cake Dude. is also really, really good. Seven Up. Oh yeah, I've had Seven that. Up very cake. good. Classic. Thirty-one day cake. cake. 31 day. 21? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different cakes out there. Olive oil cake? Olive oil cake is elite. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Top tier. Really good. Do they have that at Dutch? Is that, I think the Dutch, do they have it there? I think maybe I have had. I'm Uh, not sure. I I don't know the menu off the top of my head. Well, you should. We're on Sportsmanlike. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic.
epic saga of war, passion, and power. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.